How's it going? How you doing? Good? Good. That was something I really, really needed. Oh, man. First of all, I've never heard that song sang in church before. That was awesome. I loved it so much. And uh, you know what? I, uh, I haven't been able to experience singing quite that powerful in a while. And, uh, and so to be a part of that just blows me away. Y'all, this, um, the fact that you're here tonight is by no means a coincidence. And the fact that I get to be here tonight, this is not a coincidence. I just am so excited that I get to be at the West 7th Church of Christ and talk to you tonight. This is, this is outstanding. I, oh, man, I'm pumped. Um, so anyway, uh, Bo asked me, uh, and, and I've been excited ever since he asked me to do this. What an honor to be here. But Bo asked me to talk to you about having a soul on fire. And so as I was preparing for this, and I was thinking about, man, is it soul on fire? What is he talking about? And then I was like, oh, yeah, it's a song. Um, but then, you know, I was thinking about, you know, uh, just starting a fire and how difficult the process of starting a fire sometimes could be. Um, for some people, it's really easy. For other people, it's a struggle, okay? Like me and this kid in the youth group uh, at Millview a few weeks ago, we started a fire together. He had no idea what he was doing, and I was just like, no, man, we're doing this. We're getting this done tonight. Um, and I was thinking about our home and our family, uh, our tiny little two-person family, two people and two cats. Uh, we have two children. Um, but anyway, we've got uh, this brand new house that we bought back in the summer, and we're excited about it as the weather starts getting colder we're thinking about uh okay it would be really cool to have a fire in our backyard all right babe let's go get a fire bowl we'll go to, go to target or something no no that's not hgtv enough okay so what we have to do is go to the flea market raise your hand if you've ever been to the nashville flea market before nashville flea market raise your hand if you've ever been to the nashville flea market in october Oh man, that's like the biggest month to go to the Nashville flea market. We went with our, uh, with my in-laws and uh, and with her brother and his wife. We all just piled in the truck and went down to the Nashville flea market to experience that. And the whole time, you know, we're on a mission. Okay, Abby is on a mission. Every time we go to the flea market, which we go quite a lot. Um, if you ever want to come with us, come on. Um, but we like going to the Nashville. Every time there's a, there's a mission. And Abby, you know, we're walking up and down these aisles. And she's like, I'm feeling lucky. You know, that's what she's saying the whole time. I'm feeling lucky. I know we're going to find something. And we're just for two hours navigating through this Nashville flea market. And we're walking down this shed. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm just, just overwhelmed by all the stuff. And then the really interesting flea market goers. Um, and so, you know, I'm just, just distracted from the mission the whole time. And then she just grabs my arm and squeals, ah! And then she points. And there is this big, giant, black pot. Pot! Pot doesn't even describe it accurately. It's not a pot. It's like a, it's a cauldron. Like a witch's cauldron, okay? And it's fitting because it, it was October. Uh, but it's this huge Call like my grandparents used to make soap in or whatever. I don't know. But it's this huge, stinking cauldron. And I'm like, all right, cool. And she liked it. And I'm, I like it. It's nice and rustic, okay? It, it matches the utter vibe, okay? And so we're going to buy this, uh, this cauldron. And so I did my thing, you know, where I haggle with the guy. 
guys, if you want to impress your woman, know how to haggle at the flea market, okay? So I haggled for a second, and then I got it down to the price I wanted. And he's like, well, you can pick it up later if you want. I'm like, great. Um, so, you know, I walk a little bit more, probably about 15 minutes. Her brother finds this little side table he wants to buy for his wife. He's like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm just going to take it to the truck. I said, okay, cool. I'll take my, take my cauldron, and we'll go to the truck. And uh, so I said, meet me at, at the end of this shed. I go down to this guy. I was like, all right, I'm going to get this cauldron, uh, or this pot, whatever it is. I don't know. Uh, but I said, all right, I'm going to get it. And I, and I lift it up with one arm, and I'm like, all right, I got this. And so I pick it up, and I'm like, Ugh! <clears throat> and I pick it up. And I'm holding it like this. He's like, hey, man, you need help? I'm like, no way. Bo Pew ain't got nothing on me. Like, this guy, like, okay, I can do this, all right? It, it felt like it was 100 pounds. Her dad said it was probably like 50, okay? But for me, it was heavy, all right? So I'm, like, struggling. I'm, like, limping all the way down the edge of this shed. I finally get to the end, and Blake, her brother, standing there. He's like, hey, man, you need help? I was like, hold up. Just I put it down. <sighs> Stretch it out. <laughs> Then I pick it up, and I go like another 50 feet. Every 50 feet, I have to put this thing down. And it's humiliating this whole time because, you know, those wives elbowing their husbands, like, look at that poor young man. Look at him trying to carry this pot, you know? And, and I'm like, oh, okay, I put it down, and, you know, there's, this, there's these guys sitting on a bench, and they're laughing at me like, you need a dolly. And I just held up my hand, my ring hand, and I'm like, you see this ring? That means I'm carrier of the pot, okay? Needless to say, I got the pot in the truck. It took one guy with a dolly feeling sorry for me to get it into the truck, but um, I got it to the truck. Okay, so part one of starting the fire, check, all right, get the cauldron to the house. All right, I'm like, I can start a fire, and, and the thing is, like, you know, in-laws are in town, very manly men. I'm super manly, can't you tell? Um, but the, very manly men, and I don't want them to know that I might struggle starting a fire, and so like, I wait for them to take a nap before I start trying to get this fire going. I'm thinking, man, I got this. I was once a Boy Scout. I know how to do this. Um, oh, wait, by the way, hello. Uh, I missed my... There it is. Great, great. So I was, I was a Boy Scout, and, and I, know, I know how to get a fire going. And so really, it was, it was me for about 30 minutes trying to just like struggle to get this fire going, there, it was, there was drizzling outside, there was wind, the, the, the wood wasn't as dry as it probably needed to be. It was a difficult process for me to get this fire going. Needless to say, it happened, and we all enjoyed it. It was great. But, you know, I've been thinking a lot about fire, especially as the, as the weather gets colder. And, man, I just felt the, like a fire tonight. Like, that, that was just outrageous singing. I was so happy, you know. But the, you know... The whole time I've been preparing for this, I've been just asking myself this question, and I've been wanting to ask you a question tonight, and it's this, what does your fire look like? Because, you know, if you, uh, if you have uh, given your life over to Christ, if you have taken the name of Christ as your own, you claim to have this Holy Spirit dwelling in you, that means there's this fire, this unquenchable fire in you, but sometimes, sometimes it looks a little different than it needs to. Sometimes, and that's the thing I've been struggling with, you know, over the, over the past, you know, couple of weeks I've been thinking about this, because, you know, I don't like being fake, I don't like um, being fluffy and feel good, I want to tell you what I'm struggling with, and maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't, um, I want to tell you something, and here's the issue that I'm dealing with, one of my biggest fears 
is that this church that Jesus wants me to be a part of, this church that out of his incomparable passion, he willingly died for, this church will progressively lose its passion that he taught us to have through his life and through his love and through the things that he said, that it will become content with the status quo. You see, I believe uh, we like the idea of having a soul on fire. I believe we like this, this thought of like, yeah, let's have, oh, feel the passion. It's great. Awesome. But I think we like the idea of it as long as that fire is manageable, as long as it's containable, as long as it's something you can control. You see, I long for a soul that's on fire. It doesn't mean, you know, this, this cute little scented candle that you put on your coffee table. It doesn't mean like this gas-powered fireplace in your living room. It doesn't even mean that big, awesome uh, uh, bonfire you share with your youth group. No, the fire that I am desperate to have in my soul looks something like this. Looks something like a, a, a forest fire. You, you, you hear on the news of these, these wildfires that erupt seemingly out of nowhere in California. And as soon as it happens, it's this huge tragedy. And while I'm not happy this happens, I'm just thinking about these fires where people just scramble to try and put these things out. That's the kind of fire that I want to have in my soul. I want a fire that is so unstoppable, so unquenchable, one that's not manageable, one that's just, ah, you can't Stop this passion. That's what I want. And while I'm not glad these wildfires occur, that's the kind of power I want. I'm talking about a soul that looks like a forest fire, that looks like a wildfire, something that can't be contained, something that can't be controlled, something that will not be easily smoldered, something that will not stop. What kind of fire do you want in your soul? What does the fire of your soul resemble? What is it? A person that possesses a soul on fire is not someone. Here's the thing I'm struggling with because a, a person that, that, that possesses a soul on fire, like a really, like, you know, one of these wildfire types of souls, it's not someone that's content with just merely coming to an area-wide youth devotional. It's not someone that's just content with going on a church youth retreat. It's not someone who's content with having an experience at camp and feeling good for a moment and walking away being like, yeah, and then going back to the life they live. A person with a soul that's on fire is someone that just will not stop seeking ways to honor God. It's someone that longs to be in the presence of God every second of every minute of every hour of every day and desperate to share what they have with everyone around them. Tonight, I want you to consider, consider how truly unstoppable this fire within you is. How unstoppable is it really? I worry. I worry a lot. That's a sin for me. I struggle a lot. And recently, I've just been worrying a lot about the church and talking to my youth group about the church. Man, where are we going to be in 10 years? 
We had that Back to the Future Day a few weeks ago. I was pumped. I got to ride the, the Hoover craft up and down the halls at CA. Um, most of you don't even know what that is. You know. I was pumped about that. But I went to church that night. I was talking to him. You know, what's the world going to be like in 30 years? Oh, man, technology is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Yeah, what's the church going to be like? And then all of a sudden, it was just like dead silence in the room. People were nothing. Like nobody had anything good to say. And it, and it, it shocked me. It startled me. It startled them. It got me worrying. I don't like to worry, but I worry that maybe there are some of you here that are trying to fool yourself in the same way I have before, that to merely be here tonight means that you've accomplished something. That to, to merely be here tonight or to merely be baptized or to be able to quote the 23rd Psalm or something, like that means that you have a fire in your soul. That because you don't drink or that because you don't cuss or because you do X, Y, and Z, that you've accomplished something for the Lord. You know, I go on this tangent all the time, but there's a story that means so much to me in Scripture. It's in Matthew 19. I love this story so much and I hate it at the same time. Because for me, when I read the story, when I hear the story, you know, it, it, it hurts because there are a lot of similarities between me and this young man that comes to Jesus. This guy who comes to Jesus, he's rich, and that's like the only thing I feel like I don't have in common with this dude. He comes to Jesus, and he's like, he's like what do I need to do in order to inherit the kingdom of heaven? What do I need to do uh, in order to make that down payment to secure my, my, my mansion over the hilltop? What do I need to do? And Jesus says, keep the commandments. Dude says, which ones? <laughs> which ones? <laughs> if I said it, you got to do it. No, but Jesus is patient with him. He's like, no, no, no. You know, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't cheat on your wife. Respect your parents. Love your neighbor. Uh, you know, don't steal. Don't lie. He says all these things. And I feel like this guy, you know, he's sitting there. Something that I find interesting about this story is that this young man still feels incomplete. Because Jesus rattles off this list and this guy's like, all right, don't steal, check. Don't lie, check. Don't cheat on my wife, check. Got it. That's what I would have done. This guy still feels like something's missing. He notices that there's a gap and he's like, okay, well, what else? He didn't have to say that, but he did. He said, what else, Jesus? Matthew 19, verse 21. Jesus throws him a curveball. Read it with me. He says, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus looks at this man, this young man, up and down and then through him into his heart and he sees that there's something blocking his vision, something that's keeping him from experiencing what he really needs to be. And he sees it and he calls him out on it. And this passage tells us that this man walked away really sad. And then I picture Jesus standing there and he's sad and getting emotional as he walks, watches this guy walk away and he's like, man, it would be easier for me to take this camel and put it through the eye of a needle than for a rich man who's living a containable, manageable faith. It would be easier for me to put the camel through the eye of a needle for this, than for this guy 
to get into heaven, to experience the kingdom. You know, this, this guy is a lot like me and a lot like a lot of people. This guy was really interested in the idea. This guy was convicted. This guy felt good. This guy wanted an experience. He liked the idea of following Jesus until it became hard. Up until this point when he encountered Jesus, everything was manageable like a candle. It was containable like a fire pit. Guys, that couldn't be any farther than what God wants you to be. It's easy for us, man. It's easy for us to come to church a couple of times a week or a retreat or something like this. It's easy for us to feel convicted. And it's easy for us to feel moved. But guys, I've said this so many times, but if your Christian experience has been easy and manageable and containable, then you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. This is something the world doesn't need to see. And frankly, this is a scented candle Christianity that the church doesn't need. We need souls that are on fire that cannot be stopped, that won't calm down. (laughs) You know what the church needs to see? You know what? I was thinking about this, and I shared this with Bo. I was like, man, this is, this is what I think the church needs to see. Let me show you this really quickly. This is, blows me away. Can we crank that up? ago, um, the staff at CA took a chance on me, and they hired me to be a Bible teacher there. So that's where I'm spending my days. I'm at CA every day, and I'm trying to preach truth to to tired teenagers every single day. And I love every minute of it. But man, I, I remember this day. It was the first uh, it was the first day of the football, not this video, but uh, I had to catch it the next time. Um, but the first day, I just, you know, it was Friday. I spoke for the first time in chapel, but I just every day just watch these kids. It's still morning, and they just kind of like dragging their feet, still trying to wake up, and they stumble into chapel, and then they sit down. 
praise God from whom all blessings flow. And then somebody says, all right, y'all, you know what day it is? It's Friday, not just Friday, it's football Friday on your feet. And then everybody stands up and it's like, oh, it was a sound like I'd never heard in my life. It was crazy. I just from, I mean, from a crowd that small, that was a huge sound. And I, as it was starting, I saw teachers just kind of like inch out the back door, just like, oh, it's going to be too loud for me. Okay. And it's just like this crazy boom of excitement, like sick them. Woo, woo, woo. And it was awesome. Oh, I walked away from that like, man, how cool was that? But then I walked back into my classroom. And in private, I had tears in my eyes. And I prayed. I said, Lord, please, 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 please let there be an enthusiasm in the young people of this student body and young people everywhere. Let there be an enthusiasm that goes far beyond what was just shown in that auditorium over a football game. Guys, I serve the one and only true God. Man, he gives me breath every day. Oh, we should be on our feet just so pumped every single day. Oh, that's what I want so much. And even more than I want that, I know the Lord wants that. And not only does He want that, He deserves that. Oh. I'm reminded of this guy that I've been, uh, you know, I just finished talking to my freshman about a few weeks ago. This guy in 1 Kings, maybe you've heard of him before. His name was Elijah. Oh, Elijah was the man. Oh, and there's this one story, this one story that I taught to him, by the way, you guys, bravo on your test. Uh, so good. Anyway, uh, so, you know, we, 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 oh, it's hard for me not to get emotional just talking about uh, Elijah, but there's a story of Elijah, and Elijah was this guy with a soul on fire. And man, he watched God's people just turn their back on him time after time after time. And he finally went to him and he's like, all right, choose today which God you're going to serve. All right, so I want you to get all your prophets of Baal, get them all over here and prepare a bull and, 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 and I'm going to do the same. And the God that sets fire to the bull, that is the one and true God. And so all day long, man, these 450 dudes just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. just just chanting for this and then you know, nothing happened and so uh, Elijah he's, he's over here laughing and he's like well maybe he went on vacation you know maybe he's in the bathroom I don't know so he's just saying all this and so they start screaming and, and like cutting themselves and just killing themselves over this and, and nothing happens Baal never shows Elijah says guys gather around and Elijah takes this altar that had been destroyed and neglected, and he takes these 12 stones that represent the tribes, and he, and he restores this altar, and he prepares this bull, and he makes them watch him do it. Okay? And he prepares this, he prepares this bull, and then, and then this is what he does. He prays. He doesn't chant. He doesn't scream. He doesn't cut himself. All he does is this. He says, Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant 
and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. And just like that, whoosh, fire. Nobody had to struggle to make this fire. This was fire. And man, this wasn't just the the bull caught on fire. Man, I'm telling you, the stones caught fire. The dust caught fire. Elijah had them before this pour water three times and drench the altar and it licked up the water. This was fire. I love it. I love it. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 39, you know, it says that when the people saw this amazing act of, of the Lord, they were filled with wonder. They fell on their faces and they shouted, The Lord, He is God! The Lord, He is God! Oh, are you kidding me? Do you hear what just happened? Elijah took this altar that was nothing. He prepared a bull. He poured water on it over and over and over again. And God sent fire. Are you kidding me? Guys, are you hearing this? I serve a God that sets fire to water. What makes you think He can't set fire to your soul? God literally brought the fire for Elijah, but can you imagine the spiritual fire Elijah must have been feeling in that moment? To hear all these people proclaim that the Lord is God? Can you imagine that, that feeling? It had been three years since rain had fallen on God's people. And then just like that, man, the bottom fell out. And I just imagine, man, this, uh, this party in the rain, you know, people dancing and singing and just uh, tears coming down Elijah's face like, oh, yes, this is great. But then just like that, you know, this is what happens. A message comes from Jezebel. Queen Jezebel, the evil queen, Ahab's wife, here's what just happened. And in a very brief message that she sent to a man who must have been so thrilled, she said, I want to kill you. I want you dead. All it took was one tiny little message from Jezebel to send Elijah running for his life and spiraling into this deep depression, this sadness, this isolation. Y'all, as soon as God started this fire in the soul of Elijah, Satan went to work, and you are no different. So many of you are sitting here tonight, you might be in despair, you might feel lonely, you might feel this need for, for the Lord to just start something in you, but you know Satan is working on your heart. For some of you, he'll start working as soon as you leave. For some of you, he's working on you right this moment. You know, kids always sing this song. I always love this song. Um, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. You know, I love that song so much. It's such a simple message, but it's so true. Every single moment of every single day, He is working on you. He is working on your heart. He's working on your soul. He wants to take this fire in you and just smolder the thing. He wants to put it out. 
I'm reminded of 2 Peter 1 in verse 3. Man. As I was preparing for this and we were talking about this, I was like, man, I love this verse so much. But in, in, in 2 Peter, I'm not going to read all of this, but in 2 Peter chapter 1, you know, starting in verse 3, uh, it, it says that God has given us everything that we need for both life and godliness. And then later on in the chapter, you know, we, we have this list of all of these qualities that we need to possess. It says, for this very reason, in verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. All of these things that we need to have, all of these things that are just, oh, it's like kindling kindling. That's a good southern word, right? That's like, oh, that's fuel for your fire. And on down in verse 8 it says that if you possess these qualities they'll keep you from being both ineffective and unfruitful. These two things that's what a dead fire is. It's both ineffective and fruitful. Man, what, what are these quali- what qualities are you filling up? What, what, what qualities are you using? to fill your life up? How is it that reading after, after reading something like this, we've been given everything that we need? Guys, you, did you hear that? Everything that you need for both life and godliness, that's been granted to you. You have everything that you need. How is it even possible that you can't have a fire in your soul? We hear messages on television and, th- and through our Twitter feeds, all these things that just kind of warp our hearts and block our, our ability to be able to have this experience that, that, that God wants us to have with Him when everything we've ever needed is right here. And so my prayer for weeks has been that God would start a fire in your soul, that you would have a soul on fire. Y'all, I'm, I'm so happy to have been here tonight. And I want to pray for you before we move on and continue worshiping together. I love you. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this night and thank you for um, just giving me the experience to stand before so many people, young and old, and, and to share little pieces of your word. And Lord, I pray that as the world just continually showers rain and dirt and, and all sorts of things down on our hearts to just try and quench this flame that you have given us, Lord, I, I, I ask that you just help us to be strengthened, strengthened in one another, strengthened uh, through your word. Lord, you've given us everything that we need and help us to remember that. Lord, help us to dwell on things that are of you and nothing else. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this night. I pray, Lord, that you'll continually give us strength. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.